Good morning. How many people want more snow? That's my first question today. Okay, so I'll give it 50% right now. So the other 50% are hoping that we get no snow, right? I'm in the no snow category. I didn't grow up with snow, so I'm not really a huge fan of snow. I have to, I have to be honest this morning that as I go to preach a sermon, I'm pretty distracted. And part of that has come from just the events I've seen in this last week in our country, things that I've seen in just our community, and I'm actually very grieved by sometimes when I see the church lose what its mission is. And honestly, I, I was half prepared to come up this morning and say, hey, let's just continue singing, we'll pray some, and then service will be over. That's kind of where I was at and my heart was at this week. But what we're talking about today is actually what we need to be talking about as the Church of Jesus Christ. It is the only purpose for the Church of Jesus Christ. There is no other purpose. <laughs> and so when there is the purpose is, is, is both maligned or misused, it grieves the heart of God, and it grieves me. So I want, I want to pray as... We, we dig into the scriptures this morning. We're going to be going around, moving around a lot, but we'll start in Matthew chapter 28. But as, as we pray, instead of doing something that I'm seeing, seeing commonly both in our culture, but even with my, my friends, my family, the people I'm close to, when you've been hurt by someone, the first reaction is to, yeah, but they, I see it with my kids even, little kids, yeah, but they... I want today to be the day that we just with humility say we're going to focus on what the mission of the Church of Jesus Christ is as a church and as a community. And so I'm going to pray to that end. Heavenly Father, we just come before you. And we know that as we go through every single day in our life, there will be things that we encounter where we need to cry out to you. And, and I repent, we repent of times where we don't turn to you and instead try to do things in our own power. And so, Lord, we ask, as we dig into your word today and discover what it means to bring people to Jesus and why we need to bring people to Jesus, Lord, help us to see that everything else is not as important as that. Lord, help us to be a church of encouragement to individuals in our community, to families in our community, to people that are here, present, or watching at home, wherever they are. Lord, help your word go out and pierce our hearts and our minds and our souls. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So my name is John Mueller. I let all that stuff out, and then I didn't actually say who I was, but I'd like to welcome you here to our service this morning. I'd like to welcome you online as well. We're starting a new series, and, and I can't think of anything better to start right now to clarify every message that we're hearing out all over the world is what is the DNA? What is the core of the local church? We're going to have three weeks, talk about three values and honestly, I can't think of anything that the world needs to hear 
more than what the church is for and what the church is about. We're going to be covering one value a week. So this week we'll cover one. If you miss a week, if you by chance miss a week, so you're not going to be here next week or the following week, you want to watch it afterwards and then go back and go through all three. So you, if you have our app, you can pull our app up on your phone. You can click the link at the top of the feed and you'll have notes from today. The sermon today is on the first of our three core values. Bring people to Jesus. That's really simple. I can remember that. Can everyone say it with me? Because then this will be like, you know, when you're doing memory verses, when you were a little kid, if you did memory verses when you were a little kid and you repeat something, you eventually remember it. You get repeated a few times. I got some heads nodding, okay? So if I say it and then you say it, so bring people to Jesus. Think we're going to remember that? We're going to remember that because I'm going to say it so many times today that there's no way we can forget that that's a core value here. It's everything in a Christian's life that they need to be focused on. What we value, what we value comes out in our behavior, our attitudes, and what we say. What we value. What we value has to cross the bridge from value to action. Like, someone can say to you, I value this, and then all their actions don't follow that. Do you follow that person? No. It's one thing to say you want to bring people to Jesus. I mean, I think most well-meaning followers of Christ say they want to, but it's another thing to actually act on that as you bring people to Jesus. So as, as we look at the scriptures, consider this a call to action. There's been a lot. Okay, I have been here at this church for over eight years now, and that has never happened. So I'm telling you, there's something going on today. We have an opportunity to bring people to Jesus. I think, I think the important thing that we've lost sight of is the fact that I, up here, you see me as a pastor. But in God's economy, we're the same. I'm a child of God first before I'm a pastor. You're a child of God first before you're anything else. And so when I speak today, these are the same words that each one of you can go into the scriptures, read, digest, and share with others. I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 28. Some of you might know this passage. It's verse 18 and 19 is what we're going to cover today. And then I'm going to go around and, and go to some different passages. But it says in Matthew chapter 28... It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, so it's the first book in the New Testament. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, so Jesus is saying this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to stop there. I know I stopped mid-sentence. The rest of you are going to have to come next week for the rest of that. So, so Jesus came to the disciples, and what he said next is, is often referred to as the Great Commission. He starts by telling him he has all authority in heaven and on earth, not just some. You know, I think we start worrying and have fear in our lives. I've talked a lot about fear last year, but, but we have fear in our lives for people that have some authority over our lives. Some authority. The rea- reality is, who has the ultimate, final, and complete authority? Jesus Christ. It's not just some, it's all. This authority was given by God. Bring, bringing people to Jesus, bring people to Jesus is a core value of community, uh, Sunlight Community Church. Why is it? Why is that important? Because Jesus has all authority. He has all authority. I don't know anyone else I want to bring people to right now. Every single person in our entire country and on the entire planet has limited authority. Limited authority. But Jesus has all authority. Even before Jesus left earth, he had all authority in heaven. I thought that was interesting. When I read that, I thought, wait a second. He's claiming he's already got all the authority in heaven. And he's addressing the disciples here. But he's already said it before that he has authority from God. Now he's telling them how much. And then he commands them. So, have you ever commanded someone to do something and they didn't do it? I say commanded lightly, because don't we all feel like when we tell someone to do something, it's a command? Jesus has all authority, and he's just said, go. (laughs) I'm sorry. Even in any situation that my children are in, or anyone I'm, I'm at all connected to, still has a choice to do it. But God here is commanding and saying, go. It's interesting here. This has been misinterpreted sometimes. But go doesn't mean you have to leave where you're at. It means go with the purpose that Jesus has given you. It means you can serve where you're at and bring people to Jesus. It can be go to people in your community. It can be go halfway across the world. It means anywhere you are at, go with the mission that God's given the church. The only way we can do that is because we're empowered by Jesus' authority to bring people to him, to Jesus. Making disciples of all people groups, nationalities, backgrounds. Which is why I want to share with you, I mean, Jesus' followers are called to bring people to Jesus. Simple as that. There's a lot of things we're not called to do, and I've seen a lot of those in our country over the past year. And it, 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 it mystifies me. Because when people look at the church of Jesus Christ, they're not seeing what is actually there. Bring people to Jesus is a command. We have to tell others what Jesus has done for us, is doing for us, and will do for us. But also, what he's done for them. Don't forget, it's not just you and me, it's everyone you come in contact with that Jesus died on a cross for. We cannot discriminate against anyone no matter where they are or what they're from. You ever notice 
that your, your mind starts turning and you start having thoughts when you walk in a space and you see people and you see faces and you automatically make certain judgment calls about them. I'm going to confess a judgment call I make constantly. If you are at Walmart at noon in your PJs, I just can't stand it. I, I, and if you've done that before, that's okay it's a, if it's Saturday. I mean, that's, that's a get-out-of-jail-free card. I, I say that to be humorous, but the reality is God doesn't look at that person any differently, but I might. You might. The problem that we have is we discriminate whether we even think about it or not. We're here to tell everyone. It doesn't matter. We're here to tell the people that we've been hurt by. We're here to tell the people that we don't like. We're here to tell people that probably won't listen. You know, there's a prophet in the Old Testament, Jeremiah, that God says, go, be a prophet, share, share my message. And he says, but no one's going to listen to you. <laughs> and Jeremiah spent his whole life being a prophet, and no one listened to him. But yet he still did what God was calling him to. If you're making disciples, the first step is bapti- baptism. It's, it's make, baptizing disciples in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The authority to baptize is in the name of the Trinity. Sometimes we, we get confused about baptism. Bas- baptism is just a public profession of, of the faith you have and your decision to follow Jesus. The power of baptism is not just in the water, but in the names of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I, I, think, I think we get confused about that many times. I remember when I went to get baptized, I was 16, and... I just thought, oh, something's going to be totally different right afterwards. And you know what? I remember the week after that, I was really, like, spiritually attacked. There was multiple things that happened that were, like, I was questioning my faith. Like, the week after I got baptized, I'm like, oh, I just got baptized. I'm on this spiritual high. And the next week, I'm thinking, oh, I'm in the doldrums. And what I lost was the fact that it's in the authority that's found in Jesus Christ that I was doing that. And then it was a public profession of faith. I'm out. I'm, I'm telling everybody where I stand on this. And once you do that, don't be surprised when people don't like it. I sure found that out pretty quick. Now, turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. We're going to turn to a few passages this morning. And part of that is because if we're going to bring people to Jesus, some of you already feel intimidated. Some of you already probably are thinking, much like I did, and I do almost daily, I'm like thinking, okay, what am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to do? This person's not going to listen to me. What's the point? I get this negative spiral. But then I read this passage. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8 says, While he was staying with them, this is Jesus, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You've heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father is fixed upon, affixed by his own authority, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end end of the earth. Jesus, again, is talking to the disciples, telling them to wait. 
pause. You see how I paused there for a second? I hate waiting. And you really like waiting? Anyone have road rage when you have to wait? Yeah, let's be honest. The person that doesn't see that the light's green, that you're supposed to go, he says, wait. And you're supposed to wait for the how. How are you going to bring people to Jesus? Are, are you equipped? Are, do you know what to say? How are his followers going to bring people to Jesus? It's as simple as the Holy Spirit. That's what he's given them. Jesus' followers bring people to Jesus with the Holy Spirit. When you try to achieve something, and you try to do something without that, you run into roadblocks. Even here, it says John the Baptist baptized with water, but Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit. The disciples were focused on Israel still, restoring it and focused on political victory. Sounds like a lot of people in our world right now. Jesus makes it clear we will not know the time or season God will restore the kingdom. But we don't need to know. I want to know. Do you want to know? I want to know. But we don't need to know because God has the authority. We don't. That's been since the garden. In the garden we decided we thought we wanted the authority. We wanted to be like God. And then all of a sudden we wonder why we're in this negative spiral. Because God's got the authority. We receive the Holy Spirit and we receive his power. We've seen him at work. We are witnesses. We are witnesses near and far. So how do we make disciples? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you ever have a situation that you're uneasy about, what's the first thing you do? That's an indicator of where you're going for your authority. And I... I confess, there have been times in my life where that is not the first thing I think of is praying. The first thing I think of is, is, is uh, whether it's defensive emotions or whether it's just, you know, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to analyze this, so I'm going to figure out how I can say what I need to say. Jesus makes it clear. We are witnesses because we've seen Jesus at work in our lives and others' lives. Everywhere we go, we're witnesses. Everywhere we go. You're going to leave here, and chances are you'll go home, you'll eat lunch. At your house, you're a witness to Jesus. You're a witness to what he's done. At, at, at your job, if you're working right now, when you go to work, you are a witness to what Jesus has done there. At school. You know, one of the things I pray over my daughter most mornings, when I, well, when I take her, I, take, I pray this over, I say, I, I, I tell her, well, I pray, I'm like, Jesus, please help her to see opportunities to share the love that you've given her to others, to her teacher, to her fellow students. It's a great opportunity to be a witness. You know, you can be a witness at the grocery store. You ever see someone struggling with something and then everyone looks away? Someone drops something out of their cart and no one picks it up? There's that moment where you're like, well, someone else will help. I think that's part of the problem. As we as Christians got to realize, like, 
we might be someone's only hope because of Jesus Christ. It might be on vacation. Have you ever been interrupted on vacation and someone's like trying to start a conversation with you? It happens to me all the time. Sorry, maybe I'm an extrovert. I don't know. That's an opportunity to be a witness. It's not, there's no time we turn this off, is my point. Anytime that we're in the community, anytime we're in our homes, we're a witness to that. All over the world. If I, if I were to limit the witness that each one of us individually can have to just our community, that would be too small. Many of us have family living all over the country. Everywhere we go, we can also do something else. We can push people away from Jesus. Does your witness draw people to Jesus or away from him? And I'm not talking about just someone that has a, a, an argument that's not founded in any truth. But do you really examine yourself when someone presents something like, I don't want to be like you because you are not like Jesus or what I see in the Bible? Are you relying on the Holy Spirit rather than your own willpower to be a witness of God's grace? You know, it's really easy as a pastor to spend all week focused on a sermon and completely forget the more important thing that I'm a child of God and I need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that personal relationship doesn't just come from preaching a sermon. It's just not. Are you relying on your own willpower or the Holy Spirit? That's a question we all have to ask. And that's a question that you have to wake up in the morning and go, okay, what am I going to focus on today? And I'll tell you what. Every time I ask a question in a sermon, I also realize that you might have the same problem I have. Like when I walked up here and I said I'm distracted, one of the things that happens is we are distracted because we filled our lives with so much stuff. And when I say stuff, I don't mean just material possessions. I mean we fill our time to the max that we actually can't fulfill our commitments. It's very rarely that I find someone that's well-managed in their schedule that they're not filled to the max in our current culture. I mean, I've seen people's like digital calendars when I go to meet with them, and I'm like, how do you survive? I mean, and I say things like, I, think, I thought I was bad. Well, the problem right there is we're starting to compare. And the reality is God does have a pace for each one of us. How do we stay consistent in bringing people to Jesus? How do we stay consistent in that? And part of that is not filling all our time. Taking a Sabbath. This week, I, I tried an experiment. I tried to Sabbath. You know how long that lasted? Just guess. Guess. Five minutes? No, no, not. it's not that bad. It wasn't five minutes. It wasn't a day. It definitely wasn't a day, but what I would consider Sabbath didn't last very long. And was it because of factors that I had under my control? Nope, it was factors outside my control. And I hasten to say that the object of pride here, when we talk about we want to bring people to Jesus, if we want to do that, and we know it's through the Holy Spirit, and we know that our time's too filled, we still get lost on the fact that God created in six days and the seventh day he rested. 
And God's the one with all the authority that created the universe. And yet we think we can go seven days a week full tilt. Like on my lawnmower, there's a rabbit setting and there's a turtle setting. And I feel like we're on the rabbit setting all the time and we, shouldn't, we need to slow down and realize that the turtle always wins the race, right? Isn't that the phrase? So, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. We need to be consistent, so how are we going to be consistent? Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10 actually has multiple things we could address, and I could spend a whole sermon on this, but I'm going to skim over this. I just want you to know there's so much more here. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Something I want to make a point of that until I read this and I read this and I read this because a lot of people over the last couple years it seems have emphasized verse 25. But I've realized verse 23 is actually the one, the important foundation here that leads to all the other verses. Holding fast or hope in Jesus requires confession. If you are ever in a position where you're more afraid of the person you're talking to about Jesus than you are God, that is not a good place to be. It requires a confession if you have hope. Confessing that Jesus is the reason we live, he is why, he is the how, he is every reason of why we live now. This is what we live for, is him. He's faithful to keep his promises. I can't tell you enough. The thing that disturbs me is that people are putting their hope in things that are not faithful to keep their promises. If you put your faith in me as a pastor every day of the week, and you come Sunday morning, and this is the only time you're in the Bible, the only time you pray, I'm going to let you down at some point. I will let you down. But Jesus won't. Jesus is the one that's faithful to keep his promises. It's just what it is. Jesus' followers bring people to Jesus by confessing our hope. If we don't talk about it, how will they know? If we don't act on it, how will they know? Being a witness requires a confession. If you've ever been in a court of law, you sit there, the witness is kind of ask questions. They just ask questions, and sometimes they plead the fifth, you know, like, oh, I plead the fifth. You're just going to be asked questions. Being a witness is about the past, the present, and the future of what Jesus has done for you. We witness and we bring people to Jesus because he's faithful. As we witness, we need to put time and thought into encouraging others to love and do good works. It, it takes time and thought. When life's too busy, do we think through what we say and what we do? We don't. Our confidence is that God will complete good works in us. One of my favorite verses, Philippians 1.6, says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That, right there, is so important to realize. We won't last as witnesses 
Unless we have a bold confidence that God is faithful to complete the work he started in us. If we think he's not going to complete it, then that lack of confidence is the same thing that we're projecting to other people. Is that if he's not faithful, we will tell people that same thing. Verse 25 continues the thought by making clear to encourage one another, we need to meet. I'm going to tell you something that I think is profoundly true about life. And if, if, I mean, my generation is probably the first generation that's grown up mostly with screens. Like, entirely with screens. Is there anyone in here that did not have a TV as a child? Anyone? Anyone? Okay, two, three, wait, five, oh, okay. Maybe there's more than, more than one, okay. Think about this. We went from watching a TV to watching a TV in our hand that's with us all the time. That's my wife, by the way. Sorry. To everything we are so interconnected to. We are seeking constant stimulus. And in, in seeking that stimulation, we still gravitate to being meeting with people in person. Naturally. I know there's a lot of anxiety, and I'm not telling anyone to, what to do. I am just saying there's something different about being in a room with someone and sharing that moment with someone. It's just a fact. Take it for what it is. It's like I say, texting is the worst form of communication. We could do anything better than texting. But yet, we all use it. At least most of us. Is there anyone that doesn't text? That's, I, no judgment. That's actually a good, a good thing. So why do, we, why do we do that? Why do we meet in person? Why do, why do we care about being around other people? And I'm not just talking about Sunday mornings. I'm talking about during the week. I'm talking about every chance we get. When I see someone in the grocery store right now, yeah, I'm wearing a mask, but I'm also like, I'm excited to see you. Because it's like, it's like being, a, being a caged animal as an extrovert. You know, like, what do I, I, we haven't talked in so long. Let's talk, you know. I want to talk to you. But why do we do that? Why is that so important? Because the day is approaching, and what day, you ask, is the return of Jesus Christ. We are so short-sighted. Jesus is coming back. And you know what? My whole life, I'm, I'm 35, and my whole life I've always been like, why do all these older believers talk about the return of Jesus, and what they're not focused on the here and now, and whatever. I'm like, you know what? That's where I'm at at this point. That's the only thing that we should be thinking about. He's coming back. Jesus' followers bring people to Jesus by being present. One thing I was accused of, which was true, before I went on sabbatical last year, there were so many times I'd be in a meeting with someone and my eyes would dart. You know where my eyes would dart to? Anyone guess? Come on. Somebody a little louder. My phone, right? One of the things I realized now is I can't have anything facing me because it's just like, honestly, I have like little to no attention control. I have to like flip devices and put screens down. You know, some people, they actually have their flashlight flash and their phone vibrate when they get a text or a phone call. I'm like, no, I can't turn that on because that'd be like three in the morning. No. Presence matters. Digital is good. 
But it's not enough. We have to gather together too. There are many ways to gather, not just Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings are important, I would say vital, but you can gather with a friend to have coffee. You can have dinner with someone in your home. I know that's honestly like that's something that people would consider maybe dangerous at this point. You can attend a circle or another Bible study or prayer group, but we need presence more than ever. And if there's anything that I'm going to look back on as a pastor with conviction is that there is a complete mental health crisis in our country right now. And I, I think that it's unpopular to say we need presence more than ever. What's happened this last year, what's happening now, in our country and all over the world, we are made to be relational. We are made, it's, it's a functional part of who we are as human beings. We are made to relate to others and made to relate to God. And that's it. That is our purpose. God's given us a purpose. When you isolate the mental, psychological, and biological effects have been well documented scientifically. There's many different situations happening all over the world at any given time. Many of them, I want to tell you guys this, I wrote this before the events of this week. I wrote this, and now when I say it, I'm going to get, get emotional because it said, many of them are driven by violence or government control of churches or religious gatherings. There's so many things all over the world to worry about, and we as believers are the hope of the world. And we can't stop that. When it's inside of us, we can't. In the case of many countries, people are gathering to worship Jesus or doing it undercover or at night or in secret. I have a story that I'd like to share. I have a friend who, who serves in the Middle East. And they, uh, they serve with refugees. And they told me about the time they first attended a baptism. And I've told a few of you this story before, but... They were taken to a house, and they got to the house, the door on the house. And there was a heavy steel door there. There was a camera at the top. The way they described it, it was almost like walking into a, a house safe, like it was a safe. Once they identified themselves, they went inside, and the door was locked behind them. Inside, there was a, a small pool, like a spa. I mean, it's in the Middle East. They've got, you know, kind of spa-type spa pools. And people walked in to get baptized, and the pastor asked two questions there that we ask commonly in the, in the church in the, in the United States. One is something to the effect of, do you believe that Jesus Christ has saved you from your sins? And the second one was, are you going to follow Jesus for the rest of your life with all that you are? And, and, and those questions, they vary, but that's essentially what they are. But then there was a third question, and I think the third question is the challenge I have for each one of us today. It's a challenge I have as I came up here this morning. It's the challenge I've been thinking about this whole week, even before there were things and events that happened in our country that would lead me to believe that this is what we need to be challenged by. The third question was a reality to them, but we don't see it as a reality for us. And that question was, 
are you willing to die for Jesus? They ask that before they baptize them. And I, and I, I, I just got chills because I thought of the details in the story that we don't think of. Many of these refugees were going back to countries where if anyone knew that they followed Jesus or had a Bible, they would be murdered by their own family. And I sit here and I hear, I hear things, not just from the church, but I hear things just, I mean, everywhere. And the complaints people have, the difficulties we're encountering. And I, and I sit here and I'm like, are we asking that question? Are we actually asking ourselves, are we waking up in the morning? I'm like, am I willing to die today for Jesus? And when I say die today, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to my death, my physical death. It means, am I going to die to myself? There's a spiritual sense, and there also is a physical sense. We don't know this type of persecution. We don't live in a world where if someone finds our Bible, they believe it's an honor to kill you. We don't live in that world. Instead, with unlimited opportunity... We get bored in our overstimulated lives. We forget the daily practice of prayer and Bible reading. We need to be focused. We need to be focused more than ever that the day is approaching where Jesus will return. There's nothing I can say or do as a human being to, be, to emphasize anything more to any of you that are listening As people are brought to Jesus, we need to be an encouragement to them. We need to be an encouragement. They may not look or act like we think. You know how many times someone walked in my office and they they say, you know, Pastor, I'm really struggling with something. And they bring up something that I just kind of laugh about. Like, Pastor, I'm really struggling because at my work I just cuss a lot. I'm like, okay. I'm like, so how are we going to work on that? I mean, it's, to me, it's humorous. It's like, okay, well, I know that God's convicted you because you're sitting in my office. I know this is a good thing. But in the bigger scheme of things, I'm more concerned about your witness, and if you're going to share Jesus with other people, then I am concerned about how, how much you cuss. People may not look or act like we think. Turn, turn with me, Acts 15, 19, it'll be up here. Simple verse. Paul's saying this. Paul says this in Acts. He says, therefore my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God. I'll give some context. There's Jews, there's Gentiles. We're Gentiles. Unless you're Jewish, you're a Gentile. So that's everybody else. I know. They're the chosen people. Or Gentiles. Do not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God. Paul is realizing that the Gentiles are coming to faith. I'll tell you what. When I read the New Testament and I hear the word Gentiles, especially in this context, Gentiles is like a dirty word. It's like whoever's not part of your people group. That's how they use it. There's Jews, there's Gentiles, there's us, there's them. And we're in a culture that really that's what's happening. It's us and them. And like I started off with, we start pointing fingers. We say, yeah, but they... Let's stop pointing fingers. 
and let's go back to what the mission of the church actually is. We should rejoice in other people's salvation and not focus on petty rules. Simply put, we shouldn't put extra barriers in the way of new believers. We're not making it more complicated or more difficult for new believers. That seems pretty simple, but it's not. We have, a, we have a system as human beings. It seems like we always make things more complicated than they are. Always. There's a whole genre on TV, drama. It's like, if I watch a drama, there's going to be drama. It's going to make things complicated. You ever notice that there's, there's a moment in every movie where someone does something, you're like, that's totally not what you should have done. Don't you know that? You're yelling at the screen. Bring people to Jesus. That's what we value. If we don't do that, we cease to be the church. If we're the church of Jesus Christ, it's about Jesus Christ. It's not about Sunday mornings and me, the pastor. It is about coming here and gathering together, but it's not about anything else. And if it's not about bringing people to Jesus, then we're just like every other social gathering of people. That's it. It's so simple, but yet seems so hard because I don't know how many times since I've been speaking that you've thought of something that I wasn't talking about. But I can tell you, when I sit in the pew and I listen to a pastor speak, I really struggle for my attention. Partly because I'm like, oh, I know that passage. I've read that. I've studied that before. Oh, I've preached on that before. Oh, I, is he going to say this? I get all excited. But I think we lose focus because bringing people to Jesus is the only purpose we have. And when we open our phone, when we go to work, there's something that sets us off, off edge. We walk in and there's already problems. We go home. We've been quarantined for three months. Whatever it is, there's always something that's going to be used to take us off focus. So what, what's so important? So what? I mean, I preached about a lot of stuff today. I, I don't usually go through multiple passages. But I think this is important. Because Jesus' followers are called to bring people to Jesus with the Holy Spirit. God has not left you with an action to do without his power and support to do it. I've learned, I started, I started this a while back, but... I've learned that if something is not going really well, then potentially I'm not supposed to be there. I mean, just potentially. I might, might. But if it's not Holy Spirit related, like for example, have you ever had an awkward spiritual conversation with someone? I should start a blog, Awkward Spiritual Conversations, because I definitely have them. And in those moments, when I try to will my way to bringing someone to Jesus, I am off track. That's why it's always that God has gifted us with the Holy Spirit to share that. So what? Jesus' followers bring people to Jesus by confessing our hope and by being present. Many of you, the moment that somehow we have connected is probably some of those hardest moments of your life where somehow I was there. And some of you I've never been 
invited into that or maybe I haven't had the opportunity. But those moments are the moments that actually define our witness. When someone is hurting, it comes down to being present. I remember back in, in, I think it was 2013, 2013, that's when my dad passed away. And I remember going through, you know, just grieving and realizing I didn't want to talk to anybody. Can you imagine that? Those of you that know me, I don't want to talk to anybody. But it was really great when I just got to sit down with some friends and just do something else. Like, someone came over and we played a board game, and I was like, oh, I can do a board game. Not getting my mind off it. And they, and they were very kind. They were like, hey, how are you doing? You know, and honestly, I'm like, I don't know, kind of overwhelmed. Being present matters. And if anything, even a phone call is more present than not staying in contact with someone. A text message. Sometimes a text message can change a life. I know, I just, I don't like text messages, but it can when people need it. Let's pray, and as we continue to worship this morning, I can't think of a better song to sing that we're going to sing because the reality of it is we don't live a life that is filled with death, sin, and destruction because God has saved us from that to the hope we have in Jesus Christ as he comes back and he returns. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we know, we know as we read the Bible, we read the scriptures, we know we need to bring people to Jesus because he's got all the authority. There is no other authority on heaven and earth that is greater than him. We can put our hope in anything else, but yet, Lord, we always are coming back to that. God, challenge us with the question, what are we bringing people to? And if it's not Jesus, change our lives. Transform us from the inside out so that our words match what's in our hearts. God, help us to not be overwhelmed or concerned when we share with people because we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that convicts and transforms on your behalf through us. God, help us to confess our hope. I know there's some of us that have never told someone or the people we're around on a, on a weekly basis, monthly basis, where we stand when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ. Help us to to share that. Help us to, to, when they respond with, will you do this, will you do that, to respond with humility and allow the Holy Spirit to work to transform us. God, help us as your church to be a faithful witness as you've been faithful to what you've promised. Help us to be present with others. We say all this in Jesus' name.